uh, going about our daily business, but uh, the culmination of time is, is very close now. And so we're, we're becoming laser focused to who we are, what we're going to do, what we can do, what has been done. Thinking about the, uh, uh, we won't turn there and look at it tonight, I was thinking about the prayers in Ephesians. I know that you know very well Ephesians 1, Ephesians 3. But Ephesians 1 really gives us a very simple understanding that Paul simply prayed and we're waiting sometimes <laughs> for people to catch up or even the church to catch up. But Paul really just prayed that we would have, you know, the eyes of your understanding would be enlightened, that you would know the hope to which he has called you and what he has done. And, the, and a lot of times in our thinking, religious thinking is we're like, we're praying to say, Lord, would you do this? Would you do that? Would you do this? Would you do that? Well, Paul prayed that we would have an understanding of what God has already done. Not that what he would do. You know, in the finished work of Jesus, I think in the mind of God, he thinks he's already done it. Don't, don't tell him otherwise, because I think he thinks he's already done it. And so um, this year uh, for me, uh, uh, I've been kind of around almost two messages, which is not generally the way that I, that, uh, that I minister. Uh, your pastor does a, well, a really good job of doing series and, and helping you to master that. And uh, uh, my personality lends to more like one and done. And so when, when I know the Lord's really pulling me back is, you know, and saying, no, and he, go again, because he, he needs me to see something. And, he, and it is true that the, the more that you, people may think it's redundant, but, it, but the more that you see, the more that you'll see. And, and, uh, and, and that we can master these things. So I'm going to say a few things that I think I said was here last time tonight for sake of title. Just one word is elevate. Because that's the word that the Lord gave me to the beginning of last year and to this year. He talked about going into a new level and he talked about elevation. And we had a, uh, we had a conference at, at our church, uh, oh, I guess about two months ago, wasn't it? Somewhere right there. And, uh, and, and it, was about, it was about that. It was, it was called the summit. And, uh, and so I, I just want to say a few things just to set us up for tonight of, uh, I think we, I mentioned this last time. But it's, uh, this was a statement that he gave me uh, back last year. And he said, everything that you'll ever need or want in life or require to achieve the purpose for your life calling, it's already in you. It's merely awaiting your recognition of it. If you he was here, you might remember I said, said that or something like that. So when we're going to elevate, elevate simply, of course, means just what to move higher. A reaching forth, an elevation. So that requires for us a shift in our perspective and uh, seeing things from God's perspective and not the world's uh, perspective. And then it also requires a new, a new covenant understanding, a new level of identity, because that our identity is the sum total of who we actually are. And um, so if we, and if, we, if we fail to recognize who we are and we fail to recognize the value and the love and the esteem that God has for us, the value and the worth, and if we, if we don't see that, then we'll really just misjudge the why of our existence. And, he, we, and we don't want to. We, we, we want to fulfill the call that he has for us. I, I'm, I'm sure just like you, uh, you know, one day when, I, when we get to heaven, whatever that time is, whether we go or he comes and gets us. I prefer he come and gets us yes. if, by preference, you understand. But uh, I, I want to hear, I think, what you want to hear. Well done. Not medium well or rare, but, but, but well done, thou good and faithful servant. 
And so um, it's, it's okay to have things well done, isn't it? So let's talk a little bit about this tonight. And these, these are things that, uh, I mean, you're so well taught here, so I, I'm not here coming to teach you something that I don't think that you know. That If, if I did know something that you didn't know, we'd all be, we'd all be suspect, you know, where I, where I got it from. So well, let's, just, let's just help ourselves see what the scripture says about a few things that goes to a different level of thinking. And then that we master that, that we, that, that we, that we actually own it. You know, it, it's okay if you take revelation from someone else, isn't it? Because there is no revelation from man that didn't come from another man. That's what the scripture says. You know, Paul said, I planted, Paulus watered, and he says, but God gave the increase. He said, he said you're carnal when you think, well, I'm, I'm on the Paul camp, and I'm in the Paulus camp. He said, you're carnal. He said, he and I, neither one are any big deal. God's the big deal because it's God that gives the increase. And so... Uh, you know, a, a, a message like I want to talk about tonight, I, I believe is very fitting for here because you guys are hungry. You always have been hungry and, and, and you're looking for the more. And uh, when, if you're not looking for the more, then this would be a good time for you to take a nap. But, uh, I, 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 but I'm in the right place with the right people uh, tonight. So um, I, I want to uh, give you, I don't know if we'll go to a scripture right now, but uh, let me get over here to where I didn't hide my notes. Uh, Philippians chapter 3. I'm going to read this from the, uh, the Passion Translation. I don't know if you do the scriptures or if you keep the Passion Translation. Uh, but, uh, and I don't know what scripture, and it was almost the entire chapter. Let me get to it real quickly. And I think this will be the only scripture we'll turn to, then I'll just quote the rest of them for sake of time. Colossians, this is not my normal Bible, so it's, the pages are stuck in the, wrong, in the wrong places. Philippians chapter 3. So I, I'm going to read a number of scriptures here uh, from Philippians chapter 3, the Passion Translation. And Paul was saying, uh, verse 1, he says, My beloved ones, don't ever limit your joy or fail to rejoice in the wonderful experience of knowing our Lord Jesus. He went on to say, I don't mind repeating what I've already written you because it, because it protects you. Sound like he's going for mastery. I don't know. He doesn't mind repeating it. He says, but because of your religious, because of the religious hypocrites which, who teach you that you should be circumcised to please God, for you have already experienced heart circumcision, and we worship God in the power and the freedom of Holy Spirit, not in laws or religious duties. We are those who boast in what Jesus Christ has done, has done, and not in what we can accomplish in our own strength. It's true that I once relied on all that I had become. I had a reason to boast and impress people with my accomplishments more than, more than others, for my pedigree was impeccable. Amen. This is, we know now we're talking about Saul of Tarsus, before God slapped the S off and put a Paul on his uh, put a P on his name, then he became Paul. Right, verse five. He said, "I was born a true a true Hebrew of the heritage of Israel, as a son of the Jewish male from the tribe of Benjamin. I was circumcised eight days after my birth and was raised in the strict tradition of Orthodox Judaism. I lived a separated and a devout life as a Pharisee. And concerning the the righteousness of the Torah, no one surpassed me. I was without a peer." Furthermore, 
<laughs> As a fiery defender of the truth, I persecuted the Messianic believers with religious zeal. Yet all the accomplishments that I once took credit for, I have now forsaken them, and I regard it all as nothing compared to the delight of experience or, or experience in Jesus Christ as my Lord. To truly know him meant letting go of everything from my past. Truly knowing him means letting go of everything of my past. His pedigree. Everything on the wall. All the accolades. He said, I let all that go. Throwing all my boasting on the garbage heap. It's like a pile of manure to me now so that I may be enriched in the reality of knowing Jesus Christ and embrace him as Lord in all of his greatness. My passion is to be consumed with him and not cling to my own righteousness based on keeping the written law. My righteousness will be his based on the faithfulness of Jesus Christ. The very righteousness that comes from God. And I continually long to know the wonders of Jesus fully and to experience the overflowing power of his resurrection working in me. I love the way the King James puts that. It says, I, I want to know the wonders of his person. The wonders of his person. We don't want to know the wonders of religion or denomination. We want to know the wonders of him. Paul was talking about having a real experience with him, even to the place that it brought suffering. And so um, to, to elevate, there's going to have to be a, a revelation. And then there's going to have to be a coming to a place to where you say, my experience is this. The word says that. Here's a dividing line. What do we do with that? What do we do with that? Well, when we begin to, to walk in the wisdom of God, I mean, always it, it, it's apart from natural wisdom. Thank God that we have natural wisdom. We, we apply it. We use it. It's beneficial in a lot of ways, but in the areas of faith and the areas of the supernatural, it, you know, there's things that I've done, and I know that you've done by the Spirit, that if I'd had time to think about it, there's no way I would have done it. I mean, it, it just had to happen in a hurry. Because if, if I'd have thought it through mentally and I'd have went through the, the mental gymnastics of doing it, I mean, that's, that's, that's the only exercise some Christians get is jumping to conclusions. And, and, and so, but if I'd have stopped and went through the mental, you know, gymnastics of it, then I, I could have very easily just talked myself out of not doing or, and, and not engaging. And, and that's what we want to do tonight is we want to begin to engage. Because your foot's set on a path and there's a people set before you and there's people waiting on you. I have a woman waiting on me tomorrow. It's 150 miles from home and her husband has no chance of living naturally. I, I couldn't go today and be here at the same time. So we're, <clears throat> we're believing God he's alive in the morning. Well, medically speaking, medically speaking at home, I mean, he's home. There's nothing the doctors can do. I don't know. I suppose he might even be in a coma. I just woke up and, 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 and she just, I don't know her and she don't know me. She just heard of my friend down in that city that was healed of cancer. And so she heard of that and just hopes that something like that can happen for her husband. So she asked permission for them to call and we called and we prayed. And, and I woke up this morning and she said, please, please help me. Please don't let my husband die. Please help me. Well, uh, that, that's hard for me to hear. So, 
there's people who who need you, and the people there's people who need what you have. People don't need you when it's when, when it's convenient. They need you when they need you. And so we'll walk into situations that maybe we've never been in before. And uh, but I want us to hear something tonight that I know that you already know, but it's easy to forget, and that's that Jesus wasn't born with a poof ministry. In other words, he's 100% God and he's 100% man. In heaven, he'll always be known as the son of man. There was one mediator between God and man who? The man, Christ Jesus. And so that we, so we know that even in the manger, think about this, in the manger, in a, in a manger, in a humble setting as a manger, you had God in a manger. In spirit, he's 100% God. But as a human, he's, Jesus is, is 100% human. 100% God, 100% human. Now, we know that, and I know you agree with that. But sometimes when we, when we live the life the way that we live it by experience, sometimes we let that interpret different. That we say, well, yeah, I know he's 100% God, but it seemed to me like maybe he was like 30% man. Because we looked at things that have limited us. That, that have that we, we, we believe the scripture, but we've believed it in here maybe. But it hasn't become it hasn't become revelation to us in here. The only reason for that woman to call me. I mean and, and matter of fact the people, my friend down there, I mean since I was here about last time, a month ago. And he's still in the process, but I mean when he, he was there, there was nothing to do for him either. There was nothing they could do for him. And so he's, he's um, every, he goes every three months to get tested. And I've been there three times, and, I, and, I, and all I do is just go down there and part life. I just impart life. That's, that's all I'm doing. And, and when we do that, because that's, that's what healing is, you're just imparting life. I mean, the, the, the way I see it is there's the kingdom of light and there's the kingdom of darkness. That's darkness, I'm light. There's God and there's the devil. One of them's going to give. And, and, and darkness can't handle light. So we just go down there and we, and we just impart life. Well, um, he's 84% he's, uh, cancer free a month ago. Hasn't been out of his house until last month in over a year. I saw his grandkids and his kids from the door and waved hi to him. Went out and ate in the restaurant about a month ago for the first time in a year. Going to Gatlinburg next month with his with, with, with his family because he feels good. Gaining gain weight, got all the color back, and then they said, "I don't. We don't even know what you're doing. But whatever you're doing, just do it because cancer is dying like snow on a hot tin roof." Well, this other person, they don't know them. It's this uh, my friend's wife and this other lady I'm talking to. They're friends, so um, she she just heard about it. And, and, and they need hope. Amen. They, they need hope. Well, that's what we have. We are hope dealers. Make sure I got that right. I didn't want no one. I didn't say we're drug dealers. I said we're, we're hope dealers. We, we deal hope. Amen. We're not just users. We're dealers. <laughs> we don't have to meet in the back of the building, do we? Like, hey, come on. Amen. So. Jesus didn't have a poof ministry. Now, I, for sake of time, I'm going to read you these scriptures, and, and I know you're familiar with them, but for sake of time, and this was the New Living Translation, the NLT, it's Hebrews 
2, 16 and 17. And here's what it says. He says, we also know that the son did not come to help angels, but he came to help the descendants of Abraham. Verse 17, therefore it was necessary for him. Now who's him? Jesus, right? It was necessary for Jesus to be made in every respect like us. His brothers and sisters so that, we, so that he could be our merciful and faithful high priest before God. Notice what's being said in that verse. He became like us in all things. Jesus became like you in all things. He wasn't born with this poof ministry. 100% God in his spirit, but he's 100% man in his mind and in his body. He didn't come here knowing who he was. Amen. He didn't come out of the womb, you know, uh, speaking in, uh, in tongues. And he, and he didn't, uh, he, he wasn't walking on water, was he? He was, he was born a baby in a manger. Now, these, uh, when, uh, for sake of time, when you go read Luke chapter 2, I think it's verse 46 through 52. Uh, these are important scriptures to what we're talking about tonight. But verse 52 said that Jesus grew in, in wisdom and stature and favor with the Lord, with, with God. Well, if you know everything, if you're born known, knowing everything, how do you grow in wisdom? We get stature, the physical part, but, how, but if you're born as God, 100% God, and you come to the world as God, 100% God, spirit, soul, and body, then you don't have to grow in wisdom. But the Bible says Jesus grew in wisdom, and he grew in understanding. And so uh, we... Uh, and we saw that it said that he had to become so much like us. In other words, he had to suffer learning. God's not learning. Is he? I don't think he's taking notes tonight. So Jesus had to suffer learning through, through, through obedience. And so here he is growing in wisdom and stature. That means at a child... At this point, and as a baby and as a child, he didn't know who he was. It which means he didn't know who he's, who he's actually who his real father was, and he didn't know where he was going. But God had a plan. Well, when we before before we came to Christ, we didn't actually know our father that way. You knew your natural parents, of course. You you probably knew of God, but but did you really know God before he was born again? Absolutely not. And you certainly didn't know where he was going. Oh, we all had a plan. You know, by the time I was 14, I knew I was going to rule the world. You know, but, uh, but after about 25, 30, you know, it, had a, it had whipped me down pretty good. <laughs> so, well, he didn't know where he was going. Jesus didn't know as a, as a child that he, was, that he would be able to heal the sick. Do you have any scriptures to prove it otherwise? He, did, did Jesus know as, as a child that he could raise the dead or would raise the dead? There's no scriptures that clarify that. Did he know that he would walk on water? Did he know that he would turn water into wine? Did he know that he would cleanse lepers? Did he know that he would multiply the fishes and the loaves? How did he come to know that? How did he come to know who his father was? How did he come to know who he was? Well, there's like a whole series of things. Uh, we have a number of scriptures, and I think they've been posted online somewhere that uh, Billy Broom has some things that um, that she put out years ago that uh, Brother Hagen had uh, someone that was working with him uh, and this woman had a vision of Jesus 
and he was working in the carpenter shop and, and, and this woman was telling Brother Hagen about this and so she's, I forget her name, Sister Clara, something like that, whatever her name was. But anyway, we, we got it on the website, but it was, it was she, she was shown that Jesus, at the end of his natural ministry or working with his father, she said he was working on this table and he was so detail oriented that he was making everything just perfect. Then when he got through, he put everything away and he put all his tools in order and everything was clean the last table that he was making. Anyway, it goes on it, it goes on to show the scriptures that was revealed to Jesus. And when he when the scriptures was revealed to him, it's how he came to know who he was. Is that so far different from us? That when we come and we begin to find out what has happened and who did it and who it involved and you find out it's you? Do you ever see yourself in scripture? Do you take that beyond a sermon? Does it become life to you? Can you walk it out? Can you jump in your vehicle and go 150 miles? Someone said, well, what if it don't work out? Well, I don't mean this, this will sound, uh, they already said he's dying anyway, right? So I, I'm not going down there to kill him. Right? So, but when you know who you are and you know what's possible and what can be done, then you make step in that direction. Steps in it. So we'll see just a bite size tonight in just a few minutes and then, then maybe Sunday we can go further in this if this is what we, where we're led to. But there's, there's, a, there's a process here that Jesus went through. And there's a process. I, you say, well, I thought we were complete. We are complete in him, but we're walking this out in a process. Jesus processed himself. In other words, he, he what? He grew in wisdom. The first thing that we see about Jesus in, in that Luke chapter 2 says, you know, and, and they were, he was traveling with the people and with his family and they, they couldn't find him. And they, you know, they said, you know, where's Jesus? And they had to go back and travel a whole day, you know, to go find him. And, and they find him. And what's he doing? He's consorting with, the, you know, the scribes. It said he was asking questions. He was learning and he was asking questions. A 12-year-old was. Now, I don't know this for a fact, but I can kind of understand life, can't you? Just to fill in some of the blanks. Je Jesus had to have some manner or form of conversation with his mother about his birth. I don't think she brought it out when he's four years old. But I think, you know, before 12, they'd had a few talks. To what extent, I don't know. But Jesus is, is coming back and he has this great need to be with the scribes. And he's, he's asking these questions and he's pouring over the scriptures. And, and, I, and I begin to see these scriptures that, that he was looking at. And uh, so we see him increasing in wisdom. We, in other words, we see a progression. We see an elevation. We see him going from this place to that place to the next place to the next place. And remember, he's 100% God in the manger in his spirit, but he's not in his mind. He's not in his body. I don't know how you can say, <laughs> I, I've often thought, and I, and I want to hear him speak on this, and I know he will. How, how did the revelation come? What was it like when you first actually knew who you actually were? 
And there was more than, than, than Joseph and Mary. Can, can you imagine the weight, the enormity of that? Because he, he had to grow in this. It had to be revealed to him. Then he had to walk it, and, and he had to have some help. The other story I want to hear is about when he turned water into wine with his mother's help. He says, you know, well, she knew, she knew what he was here for. To some degree, she did. She said, they run out of wine. Well, you could tell they've had conversations that this is the, what, his first miracle. And he says, what's that got to do with me? She said, well, they're out of wine. It's embarrassing. She said, do something. He said, woman, it's not my time. She said, okay. Go now. Now, now it's your time. <laughs> well, that, she said, you know, told his disciples, whatever he tells you, what, just what? Just do it. Well, they, they filled up those firkins of water, which is 160 gallons of water, where he turned water into wine. Well, he just got through saying a few verses before, it's not my time. Mother has something to do with it. Don't underestimate the power of a woman. <laughs> Amen. And uh, so she, she was so powerful in his life. And so at age 30, we see that he's baptized. And we see the heavens open up and he ascends again because... A voice comes from heaven. He says, this is my beloved son and who I'm what? Well pleased. Well, a lot of people today don't feel like God loves them at all. Not well pleased because of what they've done, what they haven't done, their behavior, what, you know, what happened last week. Well, what miracles had Jesus done before this time? Zilch. So his love wasn't based on what he had done for his father. The father loved Jesus because he was his son. There was an elevation when those heavens opened up and, and, he, and, and they heard when the Holy Spirit descended upon him as a dove, there, there was an elevation. But during those days, well, going back a little bit to where his parents caught up with him at age 12, what did he tell his mother? She said, we were worried. We couldn't find you. Where was you at? You've been here. I've been here the whole time. What did he say? He said, mother, you, you know those conversations we've had? Mother, you, you should have known I would have been about my father's business. And you know there's no way he was talking to his mother about Joseph. So he had revelation somewhere prior to 12, some insight, if nothing else than the discussion about his mother and his birth. Well, do you know, any, do you, do you know anyone other than Jesus who had an immaculate conception? I, I, I never met no one of you. You think Jesus had ever met anyone before he was 12? No. Don't you suppose his mother told him that an angel appeared to me and this is what he said and this is what they are? I mean, how, how do you process that as, as 12 years old and under? But he said, Mom, at 12 years of age, he said, you should know. Remember, Mom? You should know that I would be about the father's business. He had a business with his father. And he began to elevate. That's what we're going to do. As we go further, we're going to continue to elevate and elevate and elevate. You know, what's some, you know what's keeping some people from being healed? Whatever they think the biggest problem is and keep from being healed. That's the biggest thing. That's, that's the biggest thing. Personally, I, I'd rather go down tomorrow and like I do, if I could have, I, I would do that. I've had, I've had great success with that. I like, to go, and I like to lay my hands on them, but that don't always work that way. And... Um, I was talking with someone in Curry Blake's office today, and the guy that answered the phone, if you got 24 hours left to live or not, I'd like that job for a day. 
And he, he had to go real quick because he had a call from China and they only had minutes to live. And, uh, and, and we were talking about it and I said, well, you know, this thing about the greatest hindrance to healing or whatever it is is what you think it is. You know, in other words, you're sitting there, they're down there. I never met the person. I don't think they're on Facebook. don't even know what they look like. And they just heard some success story from my friend down there. And here she is and hopes that her husband, 61 years of age, will live tomorrow. And, uh, and, and, and not that her hopes in me, but I'm just saying, you know, you, you hear a testimony like y'all give a testimony. That brings hope. People need to hear those testimonies. And that's the reason why she called. Well, there's such a thing as long distance healing in there. Jesus prayed. He said, my words are spirit and power. Well, your, your faith can go as far as your love can go, can it? If you have a, a family member or a child or someone who lives in another city, a town or a state or another country, can your love go to that place? Then your faith can reach them anywhere. And when you're praying for people who's out of, out of city, out of state, out of town, isn't God with you there? Is, if they're born again, isn't he there with them there? No problem whatsoever, right? So we just agreed today that, that he'd live, but that, that he'd be strong enough until we get there tomorrow. Praise the Lord. Amen. I mean, I know how hospice works. They're not there to bring long life to you. I, I, I understand the whole, the whole process of that, whatever. But whatever the hindrance becomes in your mind, if you begin to think medical, well, you can't do this because of this, you can't do this, you can't do that. Well, then you, you, you'll shut yourself down from doing anything. But see, I'm not, I'm not going in me. In Philippians 3, I'm not going in my strength. I'm not going in my ability. I'm not going in my mind. I'm not going in my wisdom. I'm going into Christ in me, the hope of glory. So I wonder what can restrain him. I wonder, I wonder what hinders him. Nothing. Nothing. People say, well, they've got to have faith. Well, not necessarily so. It, it helps to have faith. But how about we have faith? When did he ever tell an unbeliever they had to have faith? That's just, well, you had to go to church to learn some of this stuff. Hmm? Yeah. yeah. And that was part of the process for my friend getting healed because he, he didn't know anything. Just maybe, like I said, when I told you last time, I think he'd been in church four times when he was a kid, eight, ten hours of, of, of church life. And, and he didn't even know who Billy Graham was. He says, he live around here? I said, no, 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 no. Never mind. I don't, he says, well, I, I, I don't know why he even asked. That doesn't do anything. I mean, that's a blank sheet of paper. So you can tell, you can tell them anything. I said, well, believers lay hands on I said, we're going to leave now. And my buddy, you know, the first time we're down there, I said, believer, I said, well, we're going to lay hands on you. And he said, lay hands? Uh, uh, for what? I mean, what do you mean lay hands? Well, I said, I'm, I'm used to church, see? And I said, oh, 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 oh. I said, well, look, believers lay hands. The Bible says believers lay hands on the sick and the sick recover. He says, it does? I said, yeah. He said, oh. Everything was, oh. And then he look how quick a study he is. He says, well, then you're the believer, right? I said, yeah, of course you are too now, right? He said, oh, yeah. He said, but you're the believer. I'm the sick one, and you're going to pray. And I said, then what? He says, oh, then, then I'll just recover. I said, he said, well, let's do it then. He said, that's what you meant, lay hands on me? I said, huh? And he said, then I'll just recover. I said, yeah. I said, happens all the time. <laughs> he, he, said, he said, oh, he, he, there's no filters. So, 
with, with no help medically, 85% of the cancer has died because there's no filter to stop anything. Isn't that amazing? Yes. That's wonderful, isn't it? It is. Well, that's what the power of God does every time that you go to minister to someone. It, it, it goes to, you're the director of it. You direct it. But sometimes we as Christians, and we, we, we get this and that. We've been taught this. We've been taught that. We've got this religious field. We've got the church experience and the religious experience. We've got all these filters in there. And sometimes they, they get in the way. And what we need to do is get them out of the way. It's like a beaver dam. Sometimes you just got to blow the dam up. The beaver dam, that is what I'm saying. All right, so real quickly. We only have just a minute here. We know that Psalms 119 says, The entrance of his word gives light. But it also gives understanding. So when Jesus, I don't know, but I think this was a huge scripture for Jesus when he found out who he was. You tell me you, didn't, you, you don't know anyone in Jesus who was born of immaculate conception. I, I don't know anyone other than Jesus. Anyone here? Good. What happened when Jesus found this scripture based on what his mother's testimony was about him? He's with the scribes one day, apparently, and they read this on the scroll. It said, Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and his name shall be called Emmanuel. Mary told him about the details of the visitation of the angel and what the angel said and how Joseph wasn't his father. And he read, A virgin will conceive and bear a son, and this child his name shall be called Emmanuel, God with us. He had to have a... <clears throat> he began to elevate. He began to grow. He began to increase. It, it didn't happen in just one night, but it started one night. Or one day. It started one day. That's what's happening here. Real quickly, for sake of time, we see that every miracle that Jesus performed, it was an ascent above the last one. This, this, is, this is just for, this is just to, to look at this information. I, I can't prove it out this way, but if you study the miracles and the healings of ministry and, and you look at the progression of it, it it's something to actually think about. In other words, it kind of goes like this. So every miracle Jesus performed, like I said, was an ascent to the, to the previous miracle. Think about water, for instance. First time Jesus ever met up with water or miracles concerned. What did he do? He changed water into what? Water into wine. We know that in John 2, 7 through 11. The next time he spoke to the water. Well, that's in several different, you know, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, but in Luke 8, 20 through 25, Jesus spoke to water and he calmed the storm. First time he turned water that was still, he just turned it into a wine. It was a luxury miracle. Next time there was a storm on the horizon. The Bible, the Amplified said of hurricane proportions. So Jesus is now dealing with water again. But he had to say, you know, I, I dealt with that water situation at the wedding. You know, and the governor, when he, when, he, when he tasted it, he said, you know, most, bring, most people bring out the good stuff on the front end and the cheap stuff on the end. He said, but y'all say the best to last. So Jesus had already dealt with some of these elements. 
see the water. There's a, there, there's a elevation. There's a progression. Luke, Luke 2.52, he grew in wisdom. 100% God in the manger. 100% man in the body. And in the mind until his mind was changed and renewed by the word of God. That's what's supposed to happen to us. When we hear the word of God, it's supposed to, there's supposed to be a process happening. It's a renewal. It's a, it's a putting off. It's a putting in. It's a putting on. And it's a becoming who we actually are. See, when we go from the place of, of trying to get healed and we go from the place of trying to bring healing and then we just become, we become that. We, we become healing. Did I say that okay? That we no longer try to bring something, that, but, but we actually become that which we are trying to bring. That's what we are trying to receive. We, we become that. Then we, re, we, we begin to remove filters. One, in receiving for ourselves, but two, in ministering. In other words, the greatest hindrance to, to us receiving anything is what you think the hindrance is. Well, I can't receive this because of whatever. Okay, well, then you put a filter up there. Well, I've never had it happen like this way before. Well, I've never went down in the situation I'm in tomorrow. I mean, I, I, I saw my own mother raised from the dead in my church. That's, that's about as far as you can get. But I've never had one just like this, you know, that hospice has taken over. But she said, please come. Would you come? Could you come? Please help me. Please. I, 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 don't, I, I don't know. I say, well, you know, I, got, I, I, I had a dentist appointment in the morning where I lost a feeling and been waiting for weeks to get there. I, what do you say? Well, I need to get this feeling done. <laughs> well, but they, they're going to get me in June. Who cares? See what I'm saying? Why? Because I'm not by myself. I'll take, I'll take Christ with me, the hope of glory. I'll take two handkerchiefs to be preached in the anointing tonight. And when I go, I'll, I'll leave them. Amen. If y'all believe in that, like that way, I want you to lay hands on before I leave. Hallelujah. It's fun to kill cancer. I've done it before many times. It's fun to just kind of strangle the life out of it. <sighs> I, I know I just act up a lot of times, but you, you have to if you're going to stay in the ministry very long. But, but, but it's fun to go down there and watch that. To someone like my buddy who probably wouldn't be here today. But is going to go on vacation with his family next month. His birthday is next month. He'll be 60. I'm glad he's going to see his 60th birthday. This guy tomorrow, he's on the bed now. He's 61. I don't think he's through. Amen. So we ought to get in the game. We ought to put some skin in the game. But we, we, we begin to elevate and we begin to increase. Now watch here real quickly. So the first time he turned water into wine, the next time he spoke to it, and the third time Jesus dealt water, he walked on top of it. The disciples were intimidated by the water that they were afraid was going to kill them, right? When, when the storm came. But now Jesus is walking on top of whatever's terrifying them. I can't prove this, but it seems to be there's a, a, a progression to it. I don't know if you would did, but I started off with K, kindergarten at some level. And then, you know, I went to the first, all the way up to the 12th, and then beyond that. And that kind of the order of it. I mean, there might be some geniuses. You went from the first to the 10th. I don't know if you are. I mean, whatever. But I'm just saying. But, but there's a progression. And, and I took math in the first grade. 
I did my fingers and my toes and all that kind of stuff, you know, and I counted that way. But that's not, you know, when you're, that's not too cool, you know, when you work in a job somewhere and you have to take off your feet. Well, well, well I mean, that would be $23.18. <laughs> well, you can't do that. Well, but they, they taught math in the second grade, in the third grade, in the fourth grade, in the fifth grade. It was still math. But it was another progression of it. It, it. it was on another level. And, you know, then you got into algebra. And I said, what's that? It's like Pastor Buzz used to say, but they said, teach you pi r square. And he says, not where I'm from. There's, there's no pi square there. It's, he said, cornbread is, but not, not pi. <laughs> I sure do miss him. But anyway, he said, no, pi ain't square. You know, then, the, the, then you get up, you know, to trigonometry and calculus and all that. Well, well, that's not what you took in second grade. You weren't ready for it. Jesus was 100% God. Think about it. God was in a manger in a little crib in a stable with some animals. 100% God, but 100% man in his mind and his body until he began to find out who he was. When you begin to search the scriptures, you say, you say and, and, and there's Pam, and she says, my God, I, I'm I'm more than a conqueror through Christ Jesus. And this situation I got is trying to conquer us and, and, and overcome us. It's already been conquered. What am I doing fighting for a victory? I'm not fighting for a victory. I'm coming from one. You, you say, well, that's just playing on words. Now my book it ain't. When you're fighting for one, that's what you're in a fight. But when you come back from one, you're in a rest. So are you resting or are you wrestling? Best place you get your faith in is the neutral and rest on the finished work of Jesus, right? Now, now think about this. So each time he elevated, he stepped to another level and he grew. How about raising the dead? The first time Jesus raised from the, someone from the dead was in Mark 5, 21 through 43. This person had been dead for a few hours. Then there was one who was just dead for a day. In other words, he didn't start with Lazarus. He didn't start with someone who was thinking. He, you know, an, an hour or two. Lazarus was four days out. Can you see the progression? Can you see the elevation? Do, do, do you know what it does to you when people, when, when you begin to see the power of God work through you? I, I can tell you what's happened to me when I've seen blind eyes and deaf ears here and people's going to have their feet cut off tomorrow or their legs, their arms, and then all of a sudden you, you know, I, I'm just, I went to Chilton County High School, got, an edu you know, got a diploma. Went to Ramah, took some other courses here and there. And you go in there, I don't know anything about medical science. They just said in the morning, this has got to come off. We've got to amputate this. And I was like, they said, would you pray? Sure. Just let, let them go out the door. Respect them because medically they're right. But the Lord likes, likes messing things up. Jesus messed up every funeral he ever went to. <laughs> he just, I mean, just for fun, he's like, ah. <laughs> it's time we start messing some things up the enemy's planned change his plans he's been trying to change yours ever since you got started this thing let's change his plans so four days four days Lazarus and John 11 he's raised from the dead now I got uh, two minutes one minute oh out of time look at that uh, the healing the progression as Jesus elevates in healing uh, we won't turn it for the sake of time. I'll give you the references. John 4, 52 through 53, Jesus heals someone who has, uh, has a fever. The nobleman's son has a fever. Has a fever. Peter's mother-in-law had a fever. 
He got her healed, and then she got up and prepared a meal. I'll, I'll stay away from that anyway. Just like, you know how men are that's like, we're ready to eat. Well, she don't feel good. Oh, well, we, got, we got to do something. This is a crisis. This is a crisis. <laughs> Be healed in Jesus' name. You're healed, right? All right, let's, let's, let's rattle some pots and pans now. Let's go. Probably wouldn't like that back then, but anyway. And Matthew 8, 1 through 4, the next thing he did, he steps up and heals the leper. First it was a fever. Now it's a leper. Next thing, Matthew 9, he heals a paralyzed man. Never had anyone paralyzed yet healed. He progresses that. What does he do? He begins to elevate. In Matthew 12, 9 through 14, he heals someone with rotting flesh. But he didn't start there. He started with a fever. In John 9, verses 1 through 8, he opens blind eyes. In Matthew 8, 5 through 13, Jesus heals a man from a distance by speaking the word only. Instead of being with the person, the man says, I'm not worthy for you to come under my roof. If you'll just speak the word, he can be healed from here. That's not what Jesus said. That's what he said. The centurion said that. And you know Jesus attributed that to being what called great faith. Someone, someone who didn't at that time even have to cut into God, he says, now that's great faith. Jesus always agreed to do what they asked him to do. Jairus said, if you come to my house, I believe she'll be healed. He said, well, let's go to your house. Well, you know what happened with the woman issued blood and all that, and by that time she died. The word came, she's died. Don't trouble the master any longer. But what did Jesus say to him? He said, uh, just, just only believe. Well, believe what? What you said. You said, if I come to your house, you'll live. Let's go to your house. But the centurion, he was willing to go to his house. And he said, oh, no, no, no. I'm not, no, no, You're, I'm not worthy. You come. He says, I, I understand authority. And I, I know y'all know this. So this is how it works. It works for me this way. You, you're, I'm dealing with natural armies. But where you're from, apparently, your word carries weight throughout the universe. So I don't want you to come to my house. I'm, don't even come under my roof. I'm not worthy. But your word has no barriers. And Jesus said, that's great faith. He says, okay, then. He didn't even pray. I, I can't find nothing in Matthew 8 where Jesus prayed. I'm like, where's the prayer that's got to go all this distance? He, all he said was, this is great faith. I mean, he, if he prayed, they didn't record it, did they? Jesus said, okay. You thought if someone like my situation, like it's down to this level and the conscious or morphine or what's going on, you know, kind of stuff. Jesus just said, okay. Well, when the man got home, he, the man's up, right? And they said, what happened? He said, well, about this time yesterday, this is when this happened. Same time Jesus gave the command. Or same time Jesus said, okay. Okay. See, we, we remove barriers. We remove filters. And we begin to elevate. Jesus grew in wisdom and stature. 100% God in the spirit. 100% man in body and mind. I just think when he read that scripture in Isaiah, said, and... One will come and she will conceive a child, a barren, and she will conceive a child, and he will be called Emmanuel, the Son of God. You know his, that conversation with his mother. You know if that struck home. He must have, oh my God. 
at 12, he's asking these questions. And that's why he had to tell his mother, but mom, you, 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 we've talked. You, you, you should know that I would be about his business. Wow. That's huge. There's nothing that we can't do here. There's nothing we can't do. Because Jesus never performed one miracle as deity. He did as a man filled with the Holy Ghost and knowing who he was. And we have all that at our disposal. We have all that on the inside of us. We have to begin to strip off these things and be like my buddy down there and just say, oh, <laughs> let's see, I'm sick. You're the believer. What happens next? I said, they get healed. Oh, is it that simple? I believe it is. I believe it's that simple. Amen. Well, maybe we'll pick up here here on Sunday. So I bless you in Jesus name. I call, if you're watching tonight and you have sickness in your body, I call you healed in Jesus' name. Be healed now in Jesus' name of whatever. I don't need a word of knowledge. Know what it is. It, it, it has to leave in the name of Jesus. So be healed right now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen, amen, amen.